Hey everybody, welcome back to my most authentic life. I'm your host, Fede Vargas. Today we're talking with Kim Beasley. In many ways, Kim embodies the growth mindset required to design your most authentic life. She's not only removed the mindset roadblocks from her life, she's bulldozed them. She's taken the road less traveled. She's burned all the shoulds. And yes, she dares daily to challenge societal conventions. So listen to this interview, listen to her mindset, and get inspired to bulldoze the mindset roadblocks in your life. This is our time with Kim Beasley. I want to start this interview with, uh, as we were prepping for this, you told me that you're from, born and raised in Connecticut, and you described the place where you're from as uh, a town that no one ever leaves. And I think that in itself just kind of perfectly describes your personal story that's about to unfold through this podcast. So let's start there. Tell us about this town that no one ever leaves. Sure. Well, some people leave. (laughs) I'll say that. But Majority of, you know, everybody I graduated with kind of stuck in the area um, for college, um, branched out, went to, you know, maybe Yukon or something. So I'm from the southern uh, southern shore. Um, But I was like one of seven people ish in my graduating class who left the state for college. So graduating class was close to 200. So small, small percentage of, of that who um, who left for a co- for the state for college? So, at uh, what stage during your youth or growing up did you have this craving that there was more to life, that there was more than what you were being given in this small town? I think it all started a little bit in high school. Um, I was always kind of the oddball. Um, and in that sense, I mean, like all of my girlfriends were cheerleaders. I chose to be on the track team and to participate in the games. I dressed up as a mascot sometimes. So, but I would refuse to be a cheerleader, you know, like I just, it wasn't for me. And um, then I, you know, just kind of did like the breakout things, like just didn't always go with the flow. And when I really, when it really hit was my junior year, I was given the chance to go with my Italian class to Italy and got that travel bug. And it is, not left my system. <laughs> and so then after that Italian experience, you came back and you had a taste of it. And what happened in between between that point and when you started to become the world traveler that you are now? Um, well, I went to college in Boston and that also opened my eyes to, you know, city living and um, it really kind of just took off from there. Um, as most college students do, they go home for the summer. I never did. I just stayed in the city and, you know, like had a summer job and just never like once I moved out at 18, I was out and my parents turned my bedroom into a den. <laughs> <laughs> so when did the career break? Because the, the career break you've mentioned in the past was a huge part of a, maybe a foundation, a building block to the life that you're living now. Where does that fall into the timeline? Oh, that's that's way later. Like college, I continued traveling. I went to visit, you know, a, 
my school, a lot of people studied abroad. So I had a, my roommates were, one was in London, one was in Barcelona. So I went to visit them there, continued, you know, traveling. And then I did my own semester abroad, which again, breaking out of the norms was not your typical travel abroad. Um, I did a program called Semester at Sea, where we literally lived on a larger, like a large ship, not a cruise ship, but it had about 500 students. And you take your classes while you travel from country to country. We went to 10 countries in general. And so it's not a Monday through Friday schedule. It's a when you're at sea, you're in class. And then when you dock in the countries, you have five to seven days to dive into the culture. So going from Europe to Africa to Asia and just really, really getting a full 360, literally, because we circumnavigated, um, <laughs> taste of the world. <laughs> that sounds really cool. I think there was like a television show about that. <laughs> right? World Rules did a, did a uh, semester at sea uh, season, but it was a little different. <laughs> Okay, so backtracking a bit then to the the beginning, and I guess the family dynamics that may have shaped this. Uh, you have three sisters, and uh, you've taken a very different path than the rest of your siblings. Uh, what was that early family dynamic like? Because I'm sure that really shaped the decisions that uh, that you've taken that you took in adulthood. Yes, for sure. I think the only thing that we all kind of fell in line with, and this was a sort of a rule in our house, was we had to go to school in Boston. It didn't matter which school. My oldest sister um, went to Boston University, and my dad really liked the idea of her branching out and getting out of our small town and experiencing the city. And it's not New York City, but it's Boston. It's close to Connecticut. It's smaller. Um, so he really liked that idea and for us to kind of get out there and not hold us back. But they, she went, so she went to school in Boston. Then my next sister went to school in Boston to another tiny school. And then me and my younger sister went to the same college and we're only a year apart. So um, we were there together at the same time. But that's pretty much where our paths split ways in a way. But it sounds like your family was supportive then of you taking the road less traveled. Yes. Except for after graduation, when my dad was like, okay, time to come home now. I was like, no, 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 no. So I stayed in Boston for two years and uh, after college, and then I moved to New York City. I never went back to Connecticut. I just wanted to keep going, getting, experiencing more and more to life. So I moved to New York for nine years. And when the pandemic hit, I moved to Mexico, <laughs> where, we, where we met. <laughs> and I just want to ask a few more questions about the family dynamic, because I'm curious. So uh, you've gotten to a point where you've burned all of the shuds. And this is something that I talk a lot about on here. And that was part of my transformational journey in Mexico, when you learn to live as as you are versus as you should. What was that pressure like as you saw your sisters living the the dream, I guess, you know, having kids, buying houses? Uh, when did you let go of that pressure? Talk us through how you were able to let go of that and blossom into the person that you are now. 
So I, I, the thing is, is I never really had pressure. I just kind of, my parents, like, yes, of course, my dad always tells me, don't miss out on having kids. Like, when are you going to settle down? And I'm just like, I'm not, just not in any rush to do it. And even though my sisters are all married and all have children, um, I just, that's not for me. I'm just, I want to keep living the life I'm living, trying to take it to that next step. What else can I do? I mean, moving to Mexico and working remotely was a big, oh God. And I've learned to adapt and then realized, you know, work isn't everything, took a hiatus, traveled even more. And they just all kind of were like, you do you. So, you know, there's that person in the family that sometimes people call the, the black sheep. Um, I refer to it as the rainbow sheep. I am, <laughs> I'm not doing anything bad. I'm just living my life. And I got to give my friend Alexa credit for that term. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The rainbow sheep, because you have described yourself as being like the world's best aunt, right? So it's uh, that's all probably part of the rainbow sheep persona. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, I do. I do love my nieces and nephews, and but I like to give them back when I'm done with them. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, everything that you're saying is awesome because, like, you had awesome parents. Because I think the fact that you were able—I don't even know anything about them—but just like everything you just said, the fact that you were able to not have that pressure to have a much shorter journey of letting go of the shoulds all comes down to the household. Yeah, for sure. They are there. They think I'm crazy, but they're supportive. Um, you know, they get they get very nervous, especially being being down here and constantly sending me news articles. And when am I coming? Home? And it's just, you know, they're not there. But by any means, they're not hopping on a plane and grabbing me and taking me and telling me to come home. My mom even says, you know, you're the life I'm the most jealous of that of all my sisters, she's just, you know, you live it and you go off and do your own thing and nobody can tell you otherwise. So how did you end up in Mexico then? It was obviously a a product of the pandemic, like many of us, but uh, tell us about that. So I was living in New York City um, and our lease was up in October and my roommate and I decided not to resign, Um, just wasn't worth the the money and the city was still shut down. So she went home to Connecticut. She's also from Connecticut. She was like, I'm going to go live with my parents. And I said, I'm going to go live in Mexico, actually. So I put all my stuff in storage and um, I had a couple friends who were living down here and they, they said, you know, come on down. It's fun. And I was only supposed to go for two to three months. And here I still am two and a half years later. Absolutely. It all comes down to community and having uh, the support system. I heard recently that the happiest people are the people that are that are surrounded by a circle of friends that that support them. Yeah. And I think that um, that's a big factor of the happiness levels of uh, the people in Mexico. I mean, it doesn't hurt to live but down by by the beach as well. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But I think that for the first time in my life, I've 
found like I mean I still keep in touch with obviously my my girlfriends from high school and friends from college but they again have gone off to do their their having kids getting married doing their thing and you know down here we all kind of have this mentality of that might not be for us and we all kind of found each other and from here we've all traveled together to other destinations across the globe and and it's it's truly a community of of it's a community of uh, rainbow sheep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Rainbow. Yeah. Now you mo- Mexico has mostly been the base, but you've also had like some really fun travel experiences outside of Mexico during the past two plus years, right? So uh, where else in the world has Kim gone? Oh man, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, again, doing the not so normal thing when I got the opportunity, well, not, I didn't get the opportunity to, but when my job went remote and they started asking people to come back into the office and I told them I was in Connecticut during the pandemic. Um, But then when they were asking people to come back into the office, I said, I'm moving to Colorado while still being in Mexico. And I never told them that's the bottom line. I never told them I came to Mexico and I got away with it for, and they said, you know, if you want to move to Colorado, that's fine. Um, You can still work for us. So I had a fully remote position, even though most people were having to go back into offices. But since I fibbed a little, I, you know, I used to have to turn up the AC and put a hoodie on and hide my tan. (laughs) (laughs) So I got the opportunity to continue this, this working remote thing indefinitely. So um, I was able to go to Guatemala first for a month during um, summer of 2021. Um, I traveled to, I actually did go to Colorado for, for only a week. And then I went and I traveled across your lovely country of Canada. Um, it's amazing. It did a big road trip there. And then last summer, I got the opportunity to spend three and a half months in Europe for the summer. That I actually had to go on hiatus from my job, which isn't, again, a normal thing to do to give up your very powerful position. And and, well, I'm I'm not too powerful, but I had a very good job. But um, they they kind of gave me an out and I took it and which, you know, most normal people would be like, no, I'm not leaving my job. What do I do? And I was like, heck yeah, get me out of here. <laughs> it's funny. Everything that you're saying is about the mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's people that look at this lifestyle and sometimes there's a bit of backlash, right? Maybe because it's a bit misunderstood. Yes. Um, it's a no, you can't attitude versus a problem solving. You know what? I'll find a way to take a three month hiatus, right? Yep, exactly. And I think that it's also, I just, I'm missing that, that road blocker in my brain that says fear and I just go with the flow. And uh, it's, it's exactly what you said. It's a, I'll figure it out. I, I'm, you know, take a chance. I like that road blocker. Yeah. Get rid of your road blocker. I don't have anything <laughs> there. You can't do that. That's not a smart move. Like, don't quit your job. You need income. I'm like, get out of here. I don't. Yeah, yeah. There you go. It goes back to the need to do this, should do that. Yeah. Um, I want to devote some time to the career break because mm-hmm. we've spoken about that in the past, and I think it's so so important. Uh, my whole new life came from yeah. me deciding to take a career break from four weeks turning into 
18 months that I that I enjoyed that career break. Okay, so tell us about um, when did your career break happen? And for anybody that's listening and considering taking one, maybe they've been in the corporate world for X number of years, uh, what advice would you have for them? I would say have some money saved, number one. <laughs> number two. Good idea. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but it's it was so healthy. It was just I knew I had the means to do it. And I mean, I do work in, an, in a field that I wouldn't be without a job for too long, but I have connections where I was able to, you know, pick up some freelance work along the way. And I it's it's not for everybody, but it's it's definitely it changed my perception on a lot of things. And um, I'm even back at that job, but I'm only back part time. And even though they keep trying to get me to come full time, I'm just not I'm not I've gotten too used to this flexibility. And, you know, I know it's not forever, but it's for my mental health. I I can't do a, a 45 hour work week right now and in a job that I don't really like. So I took the risk, left it, but did come back. But at my on my terms. So you said something so important there, which is, I think it's the bedrock. Another, there's so many bedrocks to this podcast, but is living life on your own terms. So give us some thoughts out there to someone that may be, you know, feeling like they're chained up to the corporate structure or to the, the, I need to, you know, have a condo. I need to have this, need to have that, the material possessions. Uh, You're, the epitome of living life on your own terms. So give us some thoughts about that. I think again, it comes back to that, that fear thing that I don't have that blocker where a lot of people just fear, feel that they, you know, that they, if they step out of line, that it, things are going to come crumbling down and they don't know how to take this control. And are very much in that this is what society says and this is what we have to do. We have to get the house. We have to get the the car. We have to have the marriage. We, you know, we don't, we just don't like, like it's totally fine to, to take the risks and take the jumps. And um, I mean, my, my roommate in New York at the time is a great example of that, who she thought I was crazy for coming to Mexico and I said, no, I think like you got to break out of your comfort zone. It's about comfort zone. And she's definitely got that fear. She still has it. But I did convince her to move down here. And she's now long term down here. She she came down. She was only supposed to be down for two weeks. And she, you know, she took that jump and took a little bit of convincing. But, um, you know, she she left it fear behind. And I mean, she's still got a lot of fear, but (laughs) (laughs) you definitely found a new person down here, like in herself and by taking that jump. So my advice to anybody is to do that. Like, well, well, by taking these bold steps and like you said, uh, getting out of your comfort zone, you give yourself the freedom to reinvent yourself. Right. Because I think it's healthy to disconnect. It's healthy to disappear. Yep. For sure. And it, it absolutely, I mean, a term that a term that I get a lot when I'm home is, is you're so lucky to be living in Mexico. It's not luck. It's not luck. 
it is it is by choices I made and you're so lucky to get to travel. No, again, this is nobody knocked on my door and said, here you go. Here's a trip to Mexico and Europe and freedom for for the next couple of years. And yeah. it, it's not it's not luck. I am I am. I just don't know another term for it, but. It's well, luck. I think, uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Because I completely agree. And uh, my favorite definition of luck or uh, the saying goes, there's no such thing as luck. It's preparation meeting opportunity. And I think the preparation part comes in the mindset, right? Everything that we've been talking about today, getting rid of that roadblocker, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Growing into becoming a rainbow sheep, like you said, and then the opportunity comes. Oh, pandemic! Worst thing ever, or is it? Right? Or is it pandemic? Best thing to ever happen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it goes back to the good or bad. Hard to say. Like, uh, so yeah, it's about rewiring how how we approach the situations. I think that yeah, it's it's the rewiring where people took this as you know, and the media doesn't help that it's this really terrible thing and you know but in preparation i didn't have a house i didn't wasn't tied to you know responsibility shall we say i mean i have responsibilities but not in the major sense that a majority of people in my life had had and i it was preparation and not luck it was it was opportunity and i came running for it Okay, so here's a fun question uh, because or approach. How would you approach this? So I've relocated back to Toronto, and now, as much I was as I was deprogrammed in Mexico and have this new worldview that is now part of my DNA. Coming back to Toronto and getting into the Toronto system, I'm kind of battling about getting deprogram back or reprogram back right because yeah. it's like oh do i oh i need to buy this or i need to buy that so how do you handle those situations when you go back home and uh, you see a lot of the comforts all the positives right yeah i mean i definitely i feel as though like my my all of this will come to an end one day it's it's slowly you know i'm going to have to settle down and and get a get an apartment. I can't keep doing this forever. Or can I? I just don't think about it like that. Like I don't put myself on a timeline. It's more when I'm ready, I'm ready. And I think the but it's it's a lot of uh, doing it in again on my terms where you know, I might get an apartment that I lease for a couple months of, of the year at a time, just so I can kind of ease back into that lifestyle. I, I don't hate it. Like I don't hate the idea of having to to settle down, but it's just keeping that open mind and just knowing that I've done it once, I can do it again. I can leave everything and if it's not for me, it's not for me. I don't do anything very permanently. <laughs> well, yeah, you've hit on something there. The million dollar question that came up at least in, in my you know last few weeks uh, in Playa before moving back here was people would ask, are we going to be here like in 10 years? Right. Right. Uh, and what are your thoughts about that? Like what's next and is this sustainable? Uh, what will this evolve into? I, I don't think anything in anything you do, no matter if it's your, if you're in Playa or, you know, nothing is forever jobs. You might get sick of the city you're living in and want to move. You might get sick of the house you're living in and want to move like change is okay. And 
no, I don't think we're going to be doing this in 10 years. Um, I, I don't know what we'll be doing. Like maybe we'll, you know, I'm open to opportunities. We get a compound somewhere and we just all live there. Like I'm down with that. (laughs) Yes. Communal retirement. Yes, exactly. We're all going to pick the same retirement home. That, that's going to be the most fun retirement home in, on the planet. <laughs> um, cool. Well, well, you've given us so many good tips or mindset notes, roadblocker, rainbow sheep, nothing is forever. <laughs> As we start to wrap up, um, what advice? There's probably there's new listeners joining the podcast that you know are intrigued by the idea of you know designing your life around freedom and taking the bold steps that some of the guests that have come on here are taking. What would you say to those new listeners? I would I would go back to what we learned as children growing up and to not get into trouble is to you know just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean you have to and that's not just for for drugs and drinking and it's it's like everything just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean that you have to like go with your own flow and people will adapt to you like i don't live a normal life and my friends and my family have adapted to it they they've stopped asking me questions like where are you going next what's your plan because i don't have an answer for that but they they're like we we know we know like it's just that people will adapt to you. And so don't be, don't, don't feel that you need to do it just because everybody's doing it. That's really, really sound advice. Well, Kim, well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I can't think of another person that is really designing their most authentic life <laughs> and ah. that has taken the road less traveled. So I really appreciate you sharing your story today. Well, I think you have as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best to be that rainbow sheep. <laughs> five years ago, if somebody told you that five years from now you're gonna be doing a podcast and living in Mexico and all of this stuff, what would you have said? <laughs> like, yeah, fat happen. chance, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. I think maybe that's something we can leave uh the listeners with as we end. Is just like anything's possible and so much can change in such a short period of time. Yep, absolutely. I mean, and and when you when you leave your when you leave your mind open to things like that, there's just it's hard to close it, number one, but it's a good thing. Like just, you know, we have a friend down here who's invited me to a wedding in Lebanon and I'm like five years ago, I would have been like, this is crazy. No, I'm not going. Now I'm like, okay, now how do I tell my parents that I'm going to the Middle East? <laughs> like <laughs> it's like I'm going. <laughs> there's nothing holding me back. So, yeah, it's that sounds like it's going to be like a really fun wedding and a lot of good food. (laughs) I constantly keep myself open to opportunities. Well, amazing. It's inspiring. It's motivating. Thank you so much for sharing it. And uh, yeah, have yourself a good day. Enjoy the rest of your day in Playa. Thank you. And you enjoy the rest of your day in springtime Toronto. And that's today's episode. As always, thank you for listening. Have an amazing day and keep on living. Time on.